windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Oh, what a Monday. Another heart-wrenching game for ETSU. This time, though, ends up in a victory against Austin P. And the only thing I've learned in the last uh, two years of football is that uh, 10 years are going to be off my life if I continue to watch this many games that way. But ETSU bounces back with, a, I think, a huge win against a team that was playing some very good football in Austin P. We'll see how Austin P. now as they jump in the Ohio Valley Conference where they sort of stack up there. ETSU clearly going to be tested against what is a going to be a top 10, maybe even close to a top 5 Furman Paladin squad and what everyone I think at this point has him penciled in as the conference champions. So a lot to talk about this week. We'll talk to Clay Hendricks, head coach Furman. We'll get his thoughts on Saturday. You'll hear those comments on Saturday. Dan Scott, play-by-play guy, we'll talk to him and have him on the podcast either Wednesday or Friday. Still working on that. But coming up on today's show, we'll break down Austin P. We'll hear from head coach Randy Sanders. Uh, we'll go a little pros versus... Jay knows the English language. Oh, no. Very special. Always no. a special day. This is about once or twice a year, so I hope people understand no. really the magnitude of doing this today. And I knew there was one right off the bat last game, wasn't there? There, there uh, were a couple of them. And you even called it on the broadcast. You said, he's uh, probably already got me on two. And then there were one or two more after that. Of and course there is. Now, I only chose to use a couple of them to uh, have mercy on you. But. Yeah, well, it's, it's, well, you shouldn't. And then bold uh, predictions. Speaking of having mercy, the bold predictions had no mercy on me. Uh, I believe I was over as well. Very Although I was close. I had a, a, there was a, a, a game potential drive that would have flipped things that didn't go well I was for extremely me. close on two as well, but we'll uh, discuss that later. Bear, All with, right. bear with me here while I walk you through the last two years of ETSC football, since you brought it up. Uh, close game. Okay. 20-14, to 14, the victory over Austin P on Saturday. Uh-huh. VMI, overtime loss, 31-24 to 24 the week before. Okay, uh-huh. then the first two games this year, all right, yeah, they kind of went one way or the other, depending on which game we're talking about, but... You go back to the VMI game, September 14th last year, and this is just in order. 27-24, the win. 29-27 mm-hmm. over Furman. 17-14 over Chattanooga. Then you had the blowout of Gardner-Webb. Then you go on the road to Citadel, 26-23. The Wofford game was close for about three quarters. You lose 30-17. to But then the next week you have a three-overtime thriller against Western Carolina at home, 45-43. 21-18, the win over Mercer on the road. And then, of course, after the Sanford game, you have the Jacksonville State contest, which literally came within about an inch or two of being a tie game and going to overtime. So I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Is it nine? It's nine, and the Bucks are seven and two in those. Nine separated by a score. That is seven, incredible. Seven and two, which I still think you would take. I'm impressed your hair is not turning gray. There's not much of it to turn gray anymore, but yeah, it is still just the fall true color. It's that. incredible. <laughs> It's just going to fall out before that. seven and two, but it's and and I'll say you know if you want to be entertained, a lot of times you know right now ETSU and and this is this is not a, an understatement. Obviously they're 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 the anti-Alabama, and not because they're not winning championships, but because Alabama's winning forty-point games and can't keep people in the stands past the second quarter, uh, or really maybe even twenty minutes into a Much game. Nick Saban's dismay. Yeah, and ETSU's pretty much keeping everybody in the seats unless it ends at one in the morning. Nine thousand people still sitting there. I mean, it's it's a, because you don't you never know. It's unbelievable. Either way, that's that's the thing. And to be fair, if there wasn't for two lightning delays, especially the second one, and it was still yeah, would have been there AM, too. They, they yeah. may have been there for that as well. So and 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 curious to see what would have been the reaction after Jacob Saylor's touchdown run against VMI. Oh. What, what, what because the fever pitch. That was felt in the booth, which is hard in in Green Stadium to fill because the way the windows don't open in my booth. After MJ Woods' interception, that p- place is the first time I felt where it, w- it was rocking. Like I know it can get loud because we have crowd mics and things, but 
that was the first time I thought, man, this, this thing's really rocking and rolling here, and you could kind of, kind of feel the energy. But the, I thought the game plan, man, you know, they call him coach for a reason. He loves to tell me that, and I thought the game plan was spot on. I thought they set the tone early with some early screen passes, kind of got the defensive lineman moving laterally a lot, and then all of a sudden, boom, the the run game and to triple really what they were giving up uh, Austin P defensively on the ground. I thought that was one of the major differences in the game. Not to dislocate my shoulder, patting myself on the back, but on Friday on Santos and the sidekick, and then for my key to the game on Saturday, said that the short passing game around the line of scrimmage, screens to Jacob Saylor, some stuff on the outside, uh, even toss sweeps off the edge, and you saw this early and often in the game. We're going to be the key for ETSU because if you run directly downhill at Austin P. They've proven this year that that's just not going to work, allowing 43 yards per game on the ground going into the contest. ETSU gets 150. They had 60 from Quay Holmes. Granted, only three and a half yards of carry, but you had 4.8 from Jacob Saylor's 12 for 58. And Trey Mitchell had, funny enough, the longest run of the day, as you joked with Randy Sanders after the game, 21 yards. So 150 on the ground, 3.9 per carry. They did not go away from the run. They really dedicated themselves more to it, 38 rushes to 34 passes Trey Mitchell 17 to 33 176 and an interception but certainly ETSU's game plan as you said I thought was uh, much improved from what we saw the week prior to VMI they as we called for on Friday stuck to who they are Randy Sanders always says let's be us let's not worry about who's on the other side of the ball let's not worry about the jersey the name whatever it is that we're playing let's be us and he really did hold true to those words ETSU did what they needed to do, did what they should do, got the ball in their best player's hands. Jacob Saylor's 19 touches, Quay Holmes 17 touches. What did we say? They were averaging 25 touches per game coming into the ball game. I called for 35 to 40. You agreed, and what did they get? 17 plus 12 plus 7, 36 touches. And I, and I love they stayed with it. There were times you're like, oh, man, you know, once he'd something else. But you could tell towards the end of the game, the offensive line had started to wear down what had been a formidable defensive line to everyone else they had played. And I thought that was key that the Bucks sort of stayed nasty, kept kept going at And I knew they threw some different looks at them, some different runs. Sometimes they were – and I thought the, the brilliance was it wasn't just so short sort of screens, and it wasn't maybe traditional screens, you know, where you fake a handoff, roll right, throw back left. A lot of them were just sort of the, the running back just starts running to the right, and you throw it to him very quickly, almost like a glorified toss sweep. And I thought um, to make those guys move laterally all the time, back and forth, back and forth, and then to start late in the game just going right at them, you know, with an occasional toss sweep, but just running between the tackles. And the defense that did a flip of the second half against VMI really struggled, just 79 yards given up in the second half. Six in that third quarter, which honestly was uh, – is it safe to say a pillow fight broke out there for a little bit? I mean, it was it was a lot of – a lot of trouble for either team. The Bucks had 56 yards, but just six yards uh, for Austin P. Matter of fact, they had six carries for negative half yard. ETSU had eight carries for one yard. I mean, and ETSU, in fairness, was also backed up at the 10, the 11, and the 15-yard line, which does limit a lot of things you can do. But the defense, with Austin P. having the ball at midfield about three, four different times in the game, able to really bow its neck and, and not give up any points in the, four, in the third and fourth quarter, I thought it was an impressive showing to to go. The running game was the first thing, and the game plan of Randy Sanders first thing that impressed me. The defense second half and how they were able to put pressure on the quarterback, stuff the run game, and do everything they could to keep the Bucks in it until the offense got going enough to win it. I want to talk about the defense in a second, but I just want to point out the touchdown drives for ETSU very impressive. Twelve plays, seventy three yards, six oh one off the clock. Twelve plays, eighty five yards. 556 off the clock and you just look at those Trey Mitchell to Anthony Spagnoletti 13 yards Quay Holmes a couple of rushes then Spagnoletti on a second and 14 you get five then Trey Mitchell with that big 21 yard run to pick up the first down getting to Austin P territory and then on third and 10 Mitchell hits Cameron Lewis for 21 yards then some more Quay Holmes runs Malik McGue his first career touchdown for ETSU he punches it in uh, then the big drive of course in the fourth quarter it was capped off by Quay Holmes uh, with 658 on the clock that third and goal at the two his first touchdown this year which I I don't know if I had just been sleeping on some random stats throughout the year as we kind of get really deep into breaking down contests week in week out it's easy to overlook some stuff uh, crazy to me that 
Quay Holmes had not had a touchdown. ETSU had not had an interception. And those are two things that happened exactly 15 times last year. Interceptions for the ETSU defense and 15 touchdowns for Quay Holmes. He started out the drive as well with a nine-yard run. Then he had a third and one where Mitchell got those other two yards that he had rushing down the day. Isaiah Wilson uh, picked up nine yards on a first down. Then Holmes for 12. Then a couple of incomplete passes. But the great catch by Nate Atkins, full extension over the middle, avoided a hit, got 24 yards. Then it was Cameron Lewis again for 11 yards into the red zone. Quay Holmes for three. Three. You had the offside to make it first and five, and then it was just Holmes, 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 Holmes. I absolutely love how these drives were laid out, and ETSU, while maybe the offense wasn't consistent when they needed to exert their authority, and especially you could see on that last drive with Quay Holmes in the last four rushes that got ETSU into the end zone, gave them the lead ultimately for good. The game plan worked. They devised some things. And I think this is why Jacob Saylor's also got the start is because you looked at the matchup with Austin P, and it was just a game that favored Saylor's more. It's not any indictment on Quay Holmes' play. You could see he got his touches too, but they knew that Jacob Saylor's would be more effective, the type of player he is. And those short gains, kind of a little bit of what uh, VMI did to ETSU uh, last week. They got those five, six, seven-yard gains, and then when they needed a big play, they got it. And coincidentally enough, if you remember, one of the biggest plays, I thought, at least in the first half against VMI, was Reese Udinsky's long run and Trey Mitchell with the long run. It's kind of a story of weeks. You have one thing happen to you the week prior. This week, you get the better of those things and win the close game. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it was almost a reversal. It wasn't quite – and it was a cleaner game for ETSU. But the thing that still excites me is it was still a lot of room for improvement. There were still wide-open guys. Passes were missed. There were still drop passes. We, I did like the personnel grouping. You know, Cam Lewis was out there, very dynamic guy. He's out there a lot. Isaiah Wilson makes an NFL catch on the sideline. That just incredible. Great catch. Uh, Nate Atkins makes a couple fingertip catches. I know he had a couple drops as well. But, I mean, you start looking at that. Jamal Kelch was back out there. Then defensively, I, I thought it was – exciting to see some of the young guys or guys you haven't seen all year like Jared Folks and what he was able to do energy Trey Middleton was wreaking havoc on scout team like you know what if he can do it against our first offense maybe he can do it against somebody else so they were able to do that I think Jalen Porter was another guy kind of stuck his neck out of there and then and then to be honest with you with Austin Rowan moving over to defensive end I was kind of concerned maybe you know how would that defensive line hold up but I thought Rowan and Cayman Cody you know uh, Cayman normally a backup but him being able to start at nose, and then really when it went to rush situations, they brought in Middleton for Rowan, and they brought in Jalen Porter uh, as sort of a rush tackle, to be honest. And I thought they were able to do a lot of things to put pressure. And where Craig hadn't been sacked all year, or really anybody else been sacked all year, you saw how that defensive front was able to make people uncomfortable. And I know Nasir maybe didn't get home to the quarterback a lot, but it was enough. Uh, havoc that he caused and commanding again double teams that that freed up a lot of guys to come in and make plays I, I thought the only shocking thing was that Austin P kind of gave up on the run uh, and, and I don't know if that's because um, the third quarter maybe the Bucks stuffing that a little bit or if they just thought you know watching tape of VMI that maybe they would be be able to continue to make throws but Craig did not look comfortable once he got forced out of the pocket, for sure. A couple of quarterback hits for Nasir player. He didn't log a tackle, a tackle for loss or a sack, but as you said, was commanding more attention as he often does and was in the backfield some. Artavia Smith is going to get a lot of attention for the interception. That Incredible, by the way, the timing of instant replay coming to Green Stadium, this being the first year of it and ETSU's third game of the season, you have the game-deciding play. Who knows how things would have gone after that if there wasn't replay, and maybe it would have ended up being the same outcome. But certainly on that one play, it already proved its worth. Artavia Smith also led the team in tackles, four solo and five assists for nine on the day. Blake Bockrath had that half sack with Middleton. And then Jared Folks. I don't think we can overlook the fact that when he came back, he was a destructive force. Uh, he had the QB hit. He had the sack. He had six tackles. To have him back in the linebacking core is big. Just very impressed with, you look at the guys that came in. You mentioned you know, Middleton, first career game as a buck. Folks coming back after we talked about it, just not having actually hit a whole lot of things over the last 10 or so months. Uh, he wasn't really in pads a lot for ETSU leading up to his debut. Um, so those two, you know, Donovan Manuel with six tackles. Uh, the guys that came in, you know, Middleton, Folks and then MJ Woods who had a big interception he was not slated to start until Tyree Robinson was a late game or should I say a late warm-up scratch to not be able to play in the game next man up is what Randy Sanders wants and everybody seems to be staying ready to allow just 14 points to a team 
getting 35 per game on the year uh, shows ETSU's depth on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Nimjay Wood's still a redshirt freshman. I mean, right. I think because he played a lot last year, again, the four games before he's allowed to go. But, um, oh, yeah, you've called his name plenty for redshirt that, freshman even last year, which I is mean, the incredible part. He, he, He's, he gets credit for an interception on his redshirt year. you got to right. love that for your stats, right. right? So he's able to pick that up. But, uh, you know, Artavia Smith led the team in tackles. Then there were a couple huge hits he made. Then, of course, you mentioned already the, the interception. You know, ETSU was still a little feast or famine offensively on their three scoring drives. Um, he had 40 plays, 218 yards on 40 plays and then their other 32 plays just 106 so they still not quite that's why I, i'm a little excited there's there's room for improvement the other thing we, we sort of yada yada but the first score of the game keltner 49 yard field goal that would have been good from at least 55 if not more and you know i think and then him bouncing back the next week where he had an opportunity to make it a six point game against vmi didn't similar situation almost similar yardage it was on the other hash mark but he was able this time to to get the kick to go in and so I thought you know to see that was good and and then the whole special teams sort of bounced back you know because there was um you know Matt has mentioned before that the Will Jamar or Kyle Anderson on the broadcast on the hidden yardage like sometimes you don't factor in you know field position and hidden yardage and special teams that that can happen there were a lot of special team penalty on Austin P. it took a few decent returns and kind of wiped them out but the punt game was good the kick return game was good Landon Kunak spectacular job not just on the kickoffs but then the, the kick coverage was good and then of course Keltner perfect on the night for field goals and extra points so um and Malik McGue you know filled and filled and punts as well so I, I thought a great game for ETSU as far as a special teams that played a hand in, in that loss at VMI they were able to bounce back strong and of course Bucks have to be clicking on all cylinders when heading down to Greenville South Carolina still not a perfect game but they, they you know at least a 30 to 50 percent better game than what we saw uh, previously so that's our wrap Austin Peace not totally done uh, right well we got comments Randy. Uh, from Randy Sanders the his thoughts man. on the game and we will comment on his comments right after this timeout from Santos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, Renewed Promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. and a sidekick back with you. Time to hear from the head football coach, Randy Sanders, on the victory of the governess. Offensively, we had done a lot of good things the first half. We just had not capitalized on them. I thought we would have the ability to move the football, but I, I knew we were going to play very well because Austin P was a, they're a really good defensive football team. Secondary is really good. They got, they got bigger, mature guys up front. I knew it was going to be tough to run the ball, but I knew we had to run the ball, and I knew we were going to have to – make an emphasis of it you know we, we had 16 yard run 12 yard run but boy we were close to a couple of 20 30 40 yard runs just really coming out the gate I thought that was a very interesting and apropos comment because on the broadcast you, you built up some calls that sounded like they were going to the house you know you you, you can kind of tell with a lot of play-by-play -play guys and yourself as well about 10 yards into the run, there's some anticipation there of this could be a huge place. So you start to build, and then there was just a couple where Jacob Sailors or Quay Holmes cut down maybe 10 or 15 yards in. It was a matter of inches where you could have gone tons more yards just based off those couple inches. There, there were a few that kind of self-inflicted. I thought Matt Wilson did a good job of breaking down the one time Sailors has a tendency to cut off his inside foot instead of his outside foot when mm -hmm. trying to plant and go and you know, if you're running towards your right and you're thinking about going towards the sideline and you need to put your right foot in the ground to, to sort of turn upfield, he's trying to do his inside foot, his left foot, and he tends to almost almost like a kid learning to walk or a, a, a puppy where the back legs just kind of get going more in the fast and it flips himself over. It's sort of what he ends up doing. The other thing, so that, that happened twice. The other thing, 
there there was one for Holmes, one for Sailors. Even even I think I don't remember if it was Cam Lewis, somebody a receiver on the outside made a move, and then at the last second somebody just stuck their hand out enough just to to get the runner off balance to where the, the runner couldn't stay upright. Or it was enough to where a, a couple of players that maybe th- they would have been able to outrun, they weren't quite able to outrun because of those stumbles. So there were some plays that I think uh, that is correct that they three or four that have been willing to hit. And honestly, the last couple of years, we've had a lot of those. And you're kind of hoping at some point those will hit and become, you know, bigger gains. And I don't think all of them would have been touchdowns, but but I think Coach is right. You know, maybe they weren't touchdowns, but you're talking about a 10, 15-yard gain maybe for 30, 40 yards down the field and certainly changes the, the dynamics of a drive. I don't want to rain on the positivity parade. The couple of fumbles, one on the direct snap to Quay Holmes, and was the other one to Malik McGill? Am I remembering that right? Uh, yes, that, that was um, – did they lose? Yeah, they did lose that one. So they lost they? the one to Quay Holmes. They lost one to Quay Holmes for sure. And they didn't then, lose the other one. N- no. Uh, I think it was McGee with like minus five. Yeah. My tendency right away, at least my thought process was, oh, I wonder if it's something going on with Ben Blackman, new center. Not that he's had any trouble snapping the ball, but it sounded like the snap said the guy's right in the hands. Well, for, first of all, for they were trying to run um, a, a popular NFL play where the, the quarterback kind of jumps in the air and looks behind him as if the ball sure. is snapped away and – Holmes is supposed to not stand in his position and catch it, but he's supposed to kind of step diagonal into the way of the snap, catch it, and go right up the gut. And uh, the, the when you have a guy that's not used to doing that, and you could tell when Holmes when it hit him, he was looking up what he need where he wanted to go because that's generally what he's supposed to do as a tailback. Right. So that's probably just maybe outthinking yourself a little bit. You know, probably good design play, and you can practice it five six times, but. Holmes doesn't use catch and snap. So I think you kind of forgive that one. Like you, you tried something, didn't work. The the second one, McGue, is a little interesting because, again, he's taken now at ETSU, he's not taking a lot of snaps, but over his career, right. he's taking a lot of snaps. So that one, that one I think, was more shocking. Um, the, than the Quay so Holmes. You would put it on McGue and Holmes. And the I do. I, I didn't think. I didn't think either snap was egregious. And McGue's not necessarily a large man, and, and the ball was was up around the shoulders. But mm. still, I think. Malik McGee pro- probably would tell you he needed to catch that. I thought the defense made some nice adjustments. I thought we had a number of individuals really step up and play well. Jared Folks, what he was able to do, uh, Blake Bockraft, Nasir playing through uh, something. Uh, he's playing with something that's really painful, and it hurts. A lesser man would have already taken the day off or taken a game off or taken a week off, and he hasn't taken a rep off yet in practice. He just keeps showing up, keeps working, sets a great example. Those guys really doing what they do. Jeremy Lewis showing up again, uh, Karan, and, and I know I'm leaving people out, but a lot of guys really laying it on line, selling out for their, for their teammates, and that's what you want. That's what team is all about. Love trusting and believing each other, knowing that your teammate's going to bust his tail every snap. You're going to bust your tail. The last thing in the world you ever want to do is be the one that can't be trusted. And, and those guys are selling out to, to be trusted by their teammates. I don't want to throw all my eggs in this basket right now. It is so early on in the year still. But it really does seem like with the effort that some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball, those next men up, the few that he mentioned, and then even some others, uh, it almost does feel like there's a little bit more buy-in this week than there was last week. And they perhaps are fighting through a bit more as Coach Sanders has tried to – get through everyone's head like guys there's hurt versus injured if you're injured that's one thing if you're hurt look at Nasir player you know look at Tyree Robinson last week of course now the Tyree Robinson thing I'm not sure what happened right before the game but it sounds like he's dealing with multiple injuries and something kind of came up out of nowhere people weren't expecting to keep him out Uh, with a guy like that you figure oh he played through a broken hand right after breaking it he's probably just going to play no matter what but obviously wasn't able to go but you see the Nasir players and obviously you're missing Jason Maduofaco and Tyree Robinson this week you see the guys come in um, that are I think leading by example and it seems like maybe some of the defensive side of the ball are taking notice and also trying to just play for more time because they see guys on the defensive side of the ball that are at their position that are beat up. So there's a lot on the line for those guys, and they really stepped up. You know, and the, the defensive unit, you know, very, very tight. That's, that's, a, that's a fun-loving group, especially the secondary. And I think they, they sort of, you know, they set the tone really because Nasir's not much of a talker. He's more of a go out there and do it when you get folks out there he is a talker you know and 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 i'm not just talking about trash talking because i think he leads the team in that as well um 
But when he gets out there and makes a play, he's full energy. When the secondary makes a play, they're, they're full of energy. It's very businesslike sometimes for the defensive line. You know, it's just sort of their demeanor. Even Madua Fakwa, when he's out there, you know, even Porter, they make a play. You know, they're, they're not they're, – they're kind of high-fiving each other, but they're not sort of jumping up in the air and uh, chest-bumping each other, you know. But the, the, the linebackers in the secondary have a few guys that will do that. And so it takes the – the sting off that but I think it just shows you that we knew last year the strength of the team was going to be the defense and this year I think it's showing it as well going back to the turnovers ETSU still yet to give up points off turnovers um, and you know they're, they're neg- you know, still negative three they've given up six on the season but no points I think that shows you a veteran group of guys that have enough will about them uh, that do it but very excited to get folks back again you get Tyree back and um, you know, you're looking at rather Tim J. Woods or, or somebody else stepping up. All those guys have been able to make plays. I was really um, happy for Art, and, and I'll get to MJ in a second, but I was really happy for Art. Well, you're talking about a young man that has uh, persevered, that has a great, great story, that has, has been some from some really highs and some really lows in the two seasons I've been here. Last year, you know, having a long, long talk with him in my office when he really didn't know what he wanted to do that afternoon or the next day to him having two interceptions that Saturday against Mercer when at one point he, he was trying to almost not be on the bus and not play anymore. So it, we've been through a lot of things, and the guy just keeps competing, keeps fighting, and has trusted me. He's trusted Coach Brown. He's trusted Coach Taylor. It's, it's good to see him have success like he had today. I think it's always interesting to hear the stories of perseverance behind the te- scenes type stuff for guys like Artavia Smith and even Trey Milton a little bit with him coming in, talking about being on the practice squad, you know, last week and Coach Sanders saying, oh, you know, I went to Billy and I said, Billy Taylor, defensive coordinator, and said, look, you know, uh, we, we might need Trey. And they were both on the same page, like, let's do it. You know, he's doing good on scout team. But that's a long way to ascend. From scout team one week to coming in and getting your first half sack and, you know, being in the game a lot in the final non-conference FCS game of the year for ETSU, the final tune-up for the stretch run of conference play. And then you hear about Artavia Smith and the quick turnarounds. I mean, it just is incredible, the the razor-thin edge between and the line you walk between, I guess, quote-unquote, failure, not being able to participate, quitting, being done with something and then succeeding at such a high level and while Artavius I'm sure you me and coach Sanders would all agree it would have been nice to see him and Artavius too would have been nice to see him pull that one in clean that interception at the end to seal the game they got it right it looked to me at least uh, there weren't any I'd say phenomenal angles to give you a 100% that was an interception but I think it got very close and in the end it was enough for the referees to overturn it. But good to hear that Artavia Smith, you know, after something like that, the coach Sanders kind of confided in you during the postgame show, you know, has come back and is making a difference and really is contributing a lot to this team. Well, and he's trying to figure out how to do it. You know, he started as a tailback, then he moved to receiver. Then the last couple of years he's been in the secondary. I mean, he's been willing to figure out a way to get on the field. You know, I think you're seeing that maybe now with Cam Lewis at receiver, but certain people just want to play. Like, I don't care where I'm at, Coach. Just put me out there. And I think Artavius is that guy that he just wants to go out and play. And so I think you could you could hear the sincerity and the excitement from from Coach Sanders. About ex- most excitement you're going to get out of him, right? But that was that was genuinely um, happy for a young man and what he was able to do. And and so I I, I think that uh, was interesting to hear Coach's take on that. I certainly know that. Artavis has had some decisions when he had switched positions and thought about leaving and set another and able to stay and not only stays our leading tackler on the season and um, he's had the most big hits on the season and he got an interception to boot. Well, it is interesting, you know, moving positions and such, and you see it with some other players on the team as well that maybe haven't been as willing, and coaches kind of openly said this, not as willing to get on the field because it's not specifically what they want to do. And I'm sure it's frustrating going from a position like wide receiver, tailback, something on the offensive side of the ball where you get a lot of glory, you know, you affect the game in a positive manner, in a discernible positive manner. You're going to get a lot of attention for, wow, he really impacted the game in this way, in this way, in this way. And offense is just naturally going to get more love than defense. And that's even usually the case in a system with ETSU or a team like ETSU. Even when the defense is clearly the superior side of the ball, your first gut instinct or inclination is to look on the offensive side of the ball to say, what happened here? So I'm sure it's difficult to go to the defensive side of the ball and, and say a guy like Cam Lewis from quarterback to wide receiver. Again, 
quarterback is the guy, right? It's the position. It's maybe the most important position in all of sports. So to go outside, I'm not saying that's an easy thing, but as you said, some guys are more willing than others. It was Coach Sanders' birthday yesterday. I don't know. I'll probably sleep in until 8, 8.30, something like that. Uh, hopefully my wife will make a pot of coffee. I know she made sausage balls. I love sausage balls. I would like to drink coffee, eat sausage balls, um, maybe watch The Office for an hour or so in the morning, <laughs> grab a shower, and I'll be right back over to the dome uh, watching tape, you know, put wrapping this one up and get start getting ready for Furman. Things I probably knew about Randy Sanders. One likes coffee, two sausage balls. I figured that out. I've talked about his diet before. The Office is the one that threw me off. Same Did not here. peg him for an office guy. Not at all. It just didn't seem to match with me, his sense of humor at least. But when he threw that out there, I was like, wow. Randy's got the the human side. You know, he, he, head coach, you know, uh, you, he's kind of elevated in a position, very important position around the university, and football coaches get so much attention regardless of level. Um, but, you know, especially Florida State, you know, Tennessee, now here at ETSU, the office. I was, I was shocked. Ask, like, what is favorite episode? Well, you heard me laugh. I mean, yeah. that, that was – and that's because it caught me so off guard. I I was also trying not to laugh because once Robert Harper heard the uh, sausage balls were going to be served, he was from the back – uh, trying to figure Salivating. out where Randy, yeah, he yeah. wanted to know where Randy lived because that I know for a fact uh, just because our wives were were friends about as long as me and Robert were before my wife decided to uh, uh, make a decision to uh, introduce them, which I was thoroughly against until it ended a marriage and I can play golf a lot with them. But uh, other than that, uh, I know that that's one of his favorite meals that he has his wife make. So as soon as she said that, I thought, oh my goodness, Robert's going to figure out a way to get in the back of the truck here, be the the creeper that just shows up on the door in the morning to get sausage balls and coffee. Firstly. Someone salivating on our broadcast crew about food is the least surprising thing in the entire world. Secondly, I have so many follow-ups about The Office. What's his favorite episode? Is he just catching up to it now, or is he watching it for like a third or fourth time? What's his favorite character on the show? Like, I just have so much I want to know. Does he see himself as a character? Ooh. That's the one I want to know. I hope he doesn't see who do, himself. Who are you relatable to? I hope he doesn't see himself as Who are you relatable Michael to? Michael Scott. Me, I think I'm... I think I've got a little bit of the... Uh, and this probably makes me less likable, but the Ryan thing going on, like... Intern, mm, not very important, sure. um, and then like kind of a tool, you know, at times because you know, yeah, sure, you, you know me, uh, but then like you know, kind of lovable at other times, but kind of as you get more success, going to turn into more of a jerk. It's probably me. Yeah, I, I think, think I'm Kevin. <laughs> I think it's perfect for me. So I, I do like that. Yeah. Um, now there was Sir Jim. No. Not if Sir Dwight, really. No. Who's the Dwight? We used to office? have a guy that we actually nicknamed Dwight, really? who has uh, worked in the studio for me forever. Okay. And um, he ends up making probably more money than any of us. Yeah. He, he, he's, he ended up getting a doctorate in alternative energy and makes literally like three, four $400,000 a year. Alternative but, energy. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, got several different degrees, all that. But but he's kind of like like he, he's very smart and all that, but was not very self-aware of a lot of things. Sure. So we called him Dwight for almost three years before he figured out why we called him Dwight. <laughs> His name was Travis. But anyways. His name was Travis. Nice. All right. So uh, what's what's up next? Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. All right. All right. Jay knows the English language. We're back after this. So pump. San Jose Buccaneers Short Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? He texted me at 2 in the morning. Please, the number 4. Ivory? And he never brought it up again. How do you know what that means? So, middle of the day on a Wednesday, he sent me munch, no, no, from, from, no. Ain't no punctuation ever. He's got to have letters missing from his keyboard. I'm still trying to figure that one out, bro. The back end of two basketball games and a football game in the same weekend. It was a 6 a.m. email that said, Shoe runs my world, curls. Which either meant, who runs the world, girls, that Beyonce song, or was just a terrible shoe joke. I do like Beyonce. I thought it was a funny shoe joke, but go ahead. Pretty pumped up for this. Turn me up a little bit, just so I can, uh, so I can hear my...
myself in my headphones. Check, 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 check. Thought it'd be a good idea on Jano's English language to go back and take a walk down memory lane to last year because I think we only did it once or twice. It is one of my favorite segments. I know others feel the same way. I know you're not one of those people, but I know the listeners crave and desire more of you sounding stupid. And do I blame them? Absolutely, I do not. So for me, to be able to collect these over a long period of time, and granted, it's only taken three or four weeks this year. You've been on fire. Uh, We'll get to those (laughs) later in this segment. But I wanted to go back to last year to eight or nine that we were uh, able to collect throughout the year. And this was on the 22nd of December. Maybe your head was already in Christmas. I'm not sure. Hold on. Here we go. And an offensive rebound, and the Bucks with an opportunity. 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 The opportunity. Have you heard of the opportunity before? Have I? Yes. Yes, I have. I've heard of all of these. Sounds like you're going tanny. Uh, you have heard of all these because we play them mercilessly <laughs> at your expense. We'll step aside for a timeout. When we come back, John City Honda starting lineup and the Pepsi Cola open, open tap. <laughs> the oh. open tap. It's a double tap. What's that? I don't know. Okay. Got BJ Mackey up off the bench here. He's usually not very demonstrative, whatever that word is. Either. He's both of those. (laughs) Well, one of them's a thing and one of them's not, so he's probably Ah, That's fine. 39 inch Bert Jobby. (laughs) One of my favorites. First of all, how do you not know Jobby is the all encompassing? It means everything. Why didn't you say vertical leap? Because I needed the Jobby. (laughs) The Nickel. The the Nickel. The, the knee, uh, the, the knee. <laughs> that, that, that's between the knee and the ankle. I You're think, very unfamiliar with that, apparently. I, I think that was you were calling in from the road, I believe, with basketball, and you were describing an injury. And I'm not sure if you didn't know which one it was. No, it was every. It was from the knee to the ankle. Everything was hurt. Okay, the knee to the ankle, the whole thing. Yeah, the knee. That sounds painful. Just the knee itself, the body parts sound painful. Well, Patrick Good, rare fried air. <laughs> As if you weren't fat enough. Rare Friday. <laughs> I was hungry. There, it was taco day in West Carolina. Well, Patrick Good, Rare Friday. Rare Friday. Fantastic. I did try to qualify that comment or quantify whatever. Qualify. No, quantify. no, no. That's perfect. You went back to back because I would like to do both of those to the last of refried. The smell in the air was refried mm. from all the tacos that were going on. So I don't see how you didn't draw. You probably cut that short and would have made more sense, I'm guessing. So you were making a food reference? The fact that you Absolutely. would make a food reference during a basketball game and we're talking about fried Shorted things. me. Yeah. And then you have the... Uh, I did try to qualify that comment or quantify it, whatever. I think I'm trying to qualify your quantification of the qualification. Want me to say I, that again? Yes, I have. No idea what you just said. Just chronological or chronological or I'll get that in a second. I talk for a living. Just chronological or chronological or I'll get that in a second. I talk for a living. I guess technically, I, I don't know if what you say sometimes is qualified as talking or quantified as talking. Okay. Uh, those are some from that last, was last year. year. That was last that was year. all last year. So that oh, was actually a lot of them because we don't. I don't think we started doing this segment really keeping track of it until like mid December. That was all in the span of like a month or so. And granted, you talk a lot, so it's not to say that you don't talk. And, well and in for fairness, long a lot of those of are basketball, right? A lot of more basketball. And, and you, I work by myself, so you, if you talk to yourself for three, four hours, eventually you're going to make a mistake. As you as you can see from my call on the uh, men's soccer sports center, but we'll kind of skim by okay. that. When you're by yourself, it, it is a bit more difficult. Uh, uh, this year, there's some good ones. I think I have a favorite, and I'm going to save that till the end. Uh, they've come from various. There's a pregame football one. There's a couple during football where you and Matt Wilgham are going back and forth. I don't remember what this one is. Thaw's a drive. Oh, yeah, that was from. <laughs> Thaw's, what is? Thaw's a drive. That was from this past Saturday, and I believe you meant to say stall's a drive, but apparently you think that drives are frozen and then once exactly, you get exactly. the ball back they start melting that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. the, the offense was so frozen right it was frozen thaws a drive because it was thawing i mean frozen two's coming out soon so uh you also i noticed this we were having a discussion about this in studio myself and dallas honeycutt uh nice frozen two reference uh, i just got that uh dallas honeycutt was saying oh why is someone running naked and we we talked oh it. so 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 are you gonna use that well no. Because I've got a good explanation. No, no, for no, no, that. no. I'm not going to use it. I'm just. I was. We were just trying to figure out where it came from. And so my thought was, okay, when someone is covered, they're you know being exactly. guarded. But uncovered, you're naked, naked, right? Okay. And 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 that is actually a very common. So it's actually a little more in basketball. That was a a staple of the Murray Barto uh, comments because they would try to uh, you know if you get naked looks in a corner for three 
right? Basically, it, you're uncovered. It's a clean look. This, that, and other. So it is, and it's actually a term I've stolen from other people. So it's not like I have somehow invented a naked term. Now, I, I have heard of it. And, and a lot of people will use because he's streaking down the sideline. There's a lot of different Matt terms. Matt streaking naked to the squad. But Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> but but the actual use correctly of that is because he is uncovered right. so much that he is naked. Right. And that's to tell you how uncovered he is. The fact that I was able to reason myself to the exact same place you That one would have been the one. I would have defended until the end of time. No. I would have found other highlights. I'm just scared that I knew what you were talking about. The fact well, that I've reasoned true. my way into your head in, in, is in two, two years and a few months, you're on board. Terrifying. Come to my side. That's a look at our breakdown of today's game. When we come back, it's the keys, the matchups, and the impactful players to watch right after this. Actually, we're going to take that back. How about we do the Ford? Uh, it's like it's like our first broadcast here, right? <laughs> how, about, how about we do the Ford? Uh, built tough starting laps. <laughs> so not only do you try to kick it to break, we've still got something to do. Yeah. It's the first broadcast, literally it was, Appalachian State on the 31st of August. Clearly not your first football broadcast, although nope. some would maybe dispute that in that yep. sound yep. I You know what I should do was just go on to break and then come back with that, and then maybe nobody would know. Probably. Because nobody really knows our timing sheets, right? No, they don't. So I could have made a save. You could have. That, that was just the uh, fact that you did not bad traffic that. copying there. Yeah. Uh, that, that was bad. And then once you found it and were able to get what you were supposed to do, you then said, the, what was it, the Ford built tough? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at that, that, at, at that point in time, as I'm throwing a break, it dawns on me I have gone out of order. Yes. So then I'm trying to make a save. But as I'm uh, making a save, my guess is I was shuffling papers to find what I was supposed to do. And then as I do that, I'm just randomly spitballing off the top of my head what's supposed to come up next. And so it's just whatever you got. It seems like you're constantly looking for the sheet. It, in a pregame, I am, and it's amazing. <laughs> it really is. There's a lot, Why don't you just take 90, it up on the window? Nine, 97% of the things that are wrong, are, and it is. That's what's sad. It's to my right. <laughs> but sometimes when we get, when we, when we get done with the uh, – the first two 30-minute shows, the Tennessee Lottery and the uh, Randy Sanders Premium Show, powered by Ford, those, are, pretty easy, those yeah. are on the same sheet. Right. And so the second um, segment is a lot of pre-record. I don't think we're fooling about it here. A lot of pre-record segments with comments from everybody. Yeah. Well, I'll start the third segment and forget to rip that sheet off. And so generally I'm having to rip that off and then trying to figure out where I am on the line from there. So that that's what happens. Good work. Yeah. Pay Bert. Pay Bert. Pay Bert. You've never been to Pay Bert? Who's Bert? Well, I mean, there's Bert by 11. I mean, you're a Twins fan. Is that not? Hall of Famer. Yeah. So you're paying Bert. Bly 11. Yeah. Yeah. Pay Bert. Huh. I would love to hit Pay Bert. Pay Bert. Yeah. I, I Maybe he would, pays it back tenfold. You don't know. I don't think, I don't think it would be as lucrative as Pay Dirt. Well, that's what, is that what I was going for? Pay Bert. I think you were. I think you. I, I would have had to have been, I be, hope. Yeah, what else would it be? I mean, if, unless there was a guy walking in named Bert. This is my uh, favorite one. I don't think anybody does a pregame experience as well as ETSU does. I currently. <laughs> <laughs> I can't concur. You no, you can't concur, but you currently. That was amazing. Oh, baby, I was still pregame. You know what I mean? Do we know that? For Play that again. I don't think anybody does a pregame experience as well as ETSU does. I currently. <laughs> I currently or I concurrently? I, I can't even tell. I can tell what was happening. You were definitely looking at your phone while Matt was talking. You do it, you do it to me all the time, so I'm used to it. But I think you also said on air after that, now, if I wasn't trying to answer a text from my wife right now, I probably would have said the right thing rather than... I currently. <laughs> so good. My favorite one so far this year. Yeah, that was probably her having trouble getting into the game with the kids, and I'm sitting there going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't You're sitting there going, I currently. <laughs> Incredible. Those four from the first month or so yeah. broadcast. There I thought they were pretty solid. I'm excited for more, and hopefully we're able to... Uh, in the very near future, rather than like four months from now, come up with some more. And when basketball comes around, certainly in December, we'll be paying very close attention. All right. One of the worst terrible segments of all time. Love it. All right. Jay knows the English language or does not, however you want to word that. We're back. Final segment. Bold predictions where we both were very, very, very much badly. This up to Buckingham Sports Network. ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandos live at Wild Wing Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tater tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM640.
all fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. But unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. So was that referring to Jay Wood nosing his language or bold predictions? Because it's kind of... I think you probably feel the same apropos. way about Jay knows the English language that, who is it, Billy Madison feels about yes. uh, whatever segment that was of the, of the movie. A simple wrong would have been just fine for your mess-ups of the English language. But, unfortunately, much like Billy... Yeah. Uh, you you heard exactly what uh, right. you are not a genius. He is not a genius, and certainly neither of us are geniuses. After bold predictions, I had Trey Mitchell going 300 plus yards, and really that went against my entire breakdown of the game. So it was strange that I went that way because I was going a lot of short passing, and I also said that a receiver for the first time for ETSU against a Division One opponent in like two or three years, whatever it was, would go over 100 yards. It was a combo, and naturally uh, I was well off base. I nailed during the serious portion of the show how the game plan would go, what ETSU needed to do to have success, and it worked. And then I went completely against myself in both predictions, and naturally, I failed. Failed, failed, failed. You stubborn, stupid, silly man! I'll take that. Well, and I did not uh, fare much better. I think I went with three. Now, they did force two turnovers, so it was one off that. The problem was, also, I think I had ETSU not turning it over. That's right. You had plus three in the turnover margin. All right. And they did get two interceptions and ended up zero. So the, the Bucks did force two turnovers, which was... Uh, tied for the season high as far as force turnovers side. but um uh, the early turnovers the fumbles got me there so. after that quay holmes yeah. fumble on the direction well once snap, one once one turnover happened it was going to be very difficult to catch from there you're behind the eight ball for sure uh i had appalachian state winning by a touchdown or more against north carolina and let me tell you i was feeling pretty good especially after the first half and it was 27 to 17 north carolina has the same gap going to the fourth. Then they get seven, and Appalachian State, funny enough, becoming famous for blocked field goals, block a field goal that would have been game-tying. That's what they do. I believe time expired. Um, and Sam Howell for UNC, three touchdowns. That was about one more than I needed for Appalachian State, too. Nail my bold prediction. They did win, so I feel good about that, but I was four points off of the actual prediction itself when Appalachian State came in as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Do you have any sympathy for my almost bold prediction? I do not. I do not because uh, Air Force was down 17-14 driving on a 20th ranked team in the country, the Boise State Broncos, and they turn it over and very quickly Boise State hits a long bomb and and it goes from three points to ten and it ends up I think around 11 point uh, uh, differential. I think Boise took a safety late in the game or something crazy, but uh, thought for a second there Air Force uh, was going to grab the lead, kind of hang tough. they you know, very good first half. Third quarter is pretty good, but um, late third, it really kind of turned uh, Boise State's way, and they didn't look back. So, feeling pretty good about it. Matter of fact, you even uh, liking the pick there in the first quarter, but the the way too early text between us. Yeah, <laughs> I set you, and that was probably what ultimately cost you was my text. I, I thought you did it on you. purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I trying to sabotage naturally. They ran it 51 well, times to 13 passes. Similar story in my pro pick because I think I had the – well, I know I had the Steelers, and they forced four turnovers in the first, like, uh, I think it was 21 minutes of the game, but could only get six points, two field goals out of it. Um, or Mason touchdowns. Rudolph I can't remember Randolph, how they scored. But, uh, yeah, whatever, Randolph. And um, so – I was, and then even late, Pittsburgh had a chance. I think uh, four down or score of a minute or so to go, and Pittsburgh had a chance to, to, to come back down the field. But Steelers could have got a stop late, or the Steelers couldn't. But I, it was still, I thought, a decent pick. Uh, just didn't work out for me. 
James Conner looked absolutely terrible, by the way. So for all you James Conner fantasy owners, it might be over for you. 13 carries, 43 yards. Mason Rudolph was actually better than Jimmy G yesterday. If you want to look at touchdown interception and quarterback ratings were about the same. So uh, I think that's a moral victory. And I'm big on moral victories, especially in bold predictions for the Steelers. But they do go down 24 to 20. And I felt great about my pro pick. I don't know how it didn't work out. Quite honestly, it was 10 to 6 at the half. The Cowboys were ahead of the Dolphins. I said that the Dolphins would lose by less than 22, which doesn't sound bold, but looking at the fact that the Miami Dolphins might set, according to you, will set, and you said by like 90 points, will set the biggest point differential in the negative. Right now it's 274, 1981 Baltimore Colts. Negative 274, they're going to surpass that this year, already negative 92 coming into this week. Considering that that's the direction they're headed, losing by less than 22 is a bold prediction. That was about the line between Dallas and Miami, and then, of course, the Cowboys were able to pile things on uh, when that second half did come around. It was 24-3. to Still felt okay going to the fourth, but then a late touchdown, or pardon me, 24-6, to and then the late touchdown made it 25-31-6. to The Cowboys beat the Dolphins. They are 0-3, are the Dolphins, negative 117. I was going to ask you last Friday, in addition to setting the point differential mark, do you think they will? Do you think they win a game? Do you want me to go through the schedule I'm, for you? Uh, yes, do that, because... I'm, it's hard to go 0 and 16. It really, I know. It couple, really is. It, I know the like four teams have done it ever. So I'm, I'm going to say they're going to win one, but four? I don't know. Has it, has it really been four now? There I have been a couple been, in the last what, ten years. Uh, yeah, because yeah. uh, Detroit and Cleveland did it. Home to the Chargers. Ooh, loss. Home to the Redskins. Maybe <sighs> loss at <clears throat> at the Bills. Excuse me. Loss at the Steelers. Loss. Home to the Jets. Good shot. Sam got Darnold get, might get, be back. Though. Got a good shot. Darnold may be back. That, that may be their best chance. Yeah. At the Colts. Loss. Home to the Bills, who look like they are Super Bowl contenders. Uh, loss. They've also played like the three worst teams in the league. Uh, at the Browns, who are, who are looking, again, not good, unfortunately, for uh, Browns fans and me and my bowl predictions for the season long. Home to the Eagles. Loss. They're confusing right now, too. At the Jets. Uh, the Jets are probably their best shot right now. Uh, at the Giants, which all of a sudden, you think that Daniel Jones is going to come in and yeah. they're going to lose every game. Daniel Jones looked great yesterday. Yeah, and, and here's going to be the kicker. and uh, We talked in the office about this but two three games when people start to understand what they're trying to do with jones then you should have an opinion on jones that even the first game if it would have been bad i don't think you should have an opinion on jones i think the everyone was wrong you should take him there and i was not uh, against the pick as much as apparently everybody else in the world was but i, I do think the he that w- that proves the gm was correct uh you know and the giants knew what they were doing i think it's still early I'm curious when NFL teams and coaches are able to get about three games under their belt to really get an idea of what he's doing. So they may have a shot because Brian Flores is a defensive guy. Uh, you know, if Saquon Barkley's out for a while, I know they they, right. they still won late there, but that's going to change dramatically what they can and can't do. I think the, they've got three legitimate chances to, to maybe figure it out. And Rosen didn't look – I watched some of that game. Rosen didn't look that bad. I mean, there were a couple plays here and there, especially in the first half where um, – he had a couple throws down the sideline where it was just dropped, uh, just dropped passes. And so we'll c- kind of see how it is, but they need to get in a game. Uh, the problem is I think when they get in a game with teams that can score a lot, I think that's going to be their issue. Home to the Bengals at the Patriots to close. I think oh, the Bengals. Bengals see, they got four. They, they got four possible wins, so I'm going to say they will win a game. I think so, too. I think that everyone rushing to the judgment of just, oh, they lost so big early to two teams. It's a long season. They they had Josh Rosen in their back pocket. Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe the Fitzmagic is gone. And and, and there's still professionals that will try not to lose every game. Right. Even if the front office wants them to lose every game, they will still go out there and try to win. There's money on the line. There's 32 teams in the league, and you're playing for a job next season. That's exactly right. That's why in the pro they will compete because if the Dolphins don't want them anymore, they need to prove that somebody needs them. Exactly. So, All right, that was our show. Everything was great, but third segment. We are brutal. And full predictions were not good either. One and seven. We're both one and seven going into this. All right, so Wednesday we'll start turning our attention Towards the Furman Paladins, we'll also look at the top 25 on Wednesday as well. Boy, that was UC Davis hanging tough in North Dakota State. We'll talk about that and more on Wednesday. Another great show. We'll also have comments from Andy Sanders and the players from the press conference today on Wednesday on the Santos Sidekick. Buccaneer Sports Network. See ya.